0: As we look at this, I want you to keep in mind, I'm not really talking about the gifts of the Spirit today and the manifestations. I'm talking about those talents and those gifts that by the common grace of God, He put in your life. You're good at stuff, and it's because you have His fingerprint on your life. Ephesians 2.10 says this, God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works. I like to put those two together today. God made you who you are, and he created you to do some specific good works. And they work together. Who you are and what he's called you to is going to make a lot of sense. And it says that he planned in advance for us to do these things long ago. Your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've uh, done great work among us. Your handprint is on every person here. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move mightily today to reveal to us how you feel about us, how you love us, what you have for us to do, and how you're gonna help us get it done. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You are uniquely talented and gifted. That's what I'd like you to know, first of all. Now, because I know human nature and have worked with people for 25 or more years in ministry, I know that over half of you don't really believe you're that gifted or talented. But you are. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. That may not seem like a big deal to you, but think of who created you and who it says... His image you bear. It's God's. In the image of God, He created you, male and female, He created them. You have God's divine fingerprints on your life. There's a an artist nearby here, out towards Canby, and someone took me out there on his farm once, and when you drive in, there's sculptures everywhere, and they're amazing. He's a world-famous artist. I, I'm not remembering his name. As a matter of fact, I didn't have this in my notes, but I thought of it a moment ago. I believe his name was Gallinari, though. And they wanted to take me out there because of the new facility. Perhaps he would do a statue for us, you know, of something, and, and I didn't know, but they had this burden, so I went out there with them. As it turns out, it was too much money because if Gallinari puts his hands on it, it's scores of thousands of dollars because of his skill, his ability, and his history. So if it's a big deal of Gallinari, who bears talents from God, puts his hands on something, it becomes way valuable. How much more valuable are you when God is the artist? You bear his fingerprints. Psalm 139, I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. I know this full well. Do you realize what a miraculous thing it is to be you? Now listen to me. Do you realize what a miraculous thing it is to be you? You're remarkable and unduplicable. Of all the people who've come and gone on this earth since the beginning of time, not one of them is like you. You laugh totally unique. Others don't even sneeze the way you do. I think it's kind of interesting the way people laugh differently. There's the wheezers. I'm a wheezer. I just heard a wheezer right down here. I don't know why I wheeze. I don't get it. But it goes It's just the way it comes out. The harder you laugh, the worse it gets. And then there's the snorters. How many snorters do we have out there? They don't want to admit it. I, I love the snorters because you get to laugh twice at every joke, right? I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> All done, right? No, <laughs> there it is. What? <laughs> what? It's like it was in there and jumped out right at the end. It has got away. And then there's the people who laugh silently. <laughs> it's just weird that there's so many. And then I know that God makes people different because the ladies seem to do something unique that men don't do. They talk while they laugh. It's going to go something like this. Oh, you stopped that. I saw, you no, no, don't do that. They just, they just do, and guys don't really do that. I don't, I don't know what the deal is there. And no one sneezes like you. There's the princess sneeze. Yeah, I I didn't even know, I can't even do it, you know. And then there's, then, then there's the warrior sneeze. That is me, and that is kind of a family attribute. You just put some, some volume to it. Ha! Right? You just let it out. I've almost given Karen a heart attack several times in our marriage. (laughs) She says, do you have to add volume to it? I I don't know. It just, I guess I could stop it, but it doesn't feel like it. And then there's the, what are you thinking sneeze? That's what I call this one. The people who stop it before it comes out. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it needs to come out. It's, a bodily function that's trying to expel itself. What if you did that with your other bodily functions? (laughs) Let it go! Get it out of there! We're all different though. No one has ever lived or is to come that has had your combination. Now listen to this. No one ever or after you has had your combination of abilities, talents, Appearance, friends, acquaintances, burdens, sorrows, opportunities. No one's hair grows exactly the way yours does. No one's fingerprints are like yours. No one has the same combination of family expressions that you have. No one prays about exactly the same concerns as you do. No one is loved by the same combination of people that love you. No one. No one before, no one to come. You are absolutely unique nowhere ever in all history will the same things be going on in anyone's mind, soul, spirit as are going on in yours even right now. That is just cool to me that God could make this happen with his work. Your uniqueness is a gift given only to you. No one can reach out to others in the same way that you can. That is absolutely true. No one can speak your words. No one can convey your meanings. No one can comfort with your kind of comfort. No one can bring your kind of understanding to another person. No one can smile your smile. No one else can bring the whole unique impact of you to another human being. Absolute truth. These qualities that make up who you are were given to you by God. Accept and embrace who God made you to be. Share who you are and give yourself away for him. You are totally unique. And all you are, he's given to you. See it. Receive it. God made you in a wonderful way. You are unique. Okay, turn to someone. I don't do this a lot, but I want you to turn to someone. And everybody has to say it. I am kind of a big deal. All right? Just, just turn and say it. I, I actually am kind of a big deal. All right? All the really humble spiritual people wouldn't do it. You rebelled. I saw you. <laughs> Psalm 92.4 says, For you make me glad by your deeds. Listen to this. You are one of his deeds. You're his work. And his work should make you glad. Thank you, Lord, that you made me who I am. I embrace it. I'm not cocky. I'm just grateful that I get to be totally uniquely me. And I'll tell you, when you accept who you are and embrace that and let God touch you, I mean, I like it that we can learn from one another and grow because we see godly attributes in one another, but I don't like it when we try to be like one another because you were made to be you and you're going to be great at being you, but you won't be as good at being somebody else. Embrace who he made you to be. It'll bring the beauty of life into focus for you. Second thought. You have not arrived. I thought I might throw that in after all that. You have not arrived, but God will help you get there. So yes, he's putting amazing qualities in you, but some of you are sitting there thinking, you know, I really have flaws. Well, yes, you do. You have great characteristics, great qualities, but we have flaws because no one is perfect. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But let me give you a couple thoughts about this. You've not arrived, but God's going to help you get there. First of all, you're not who you once were. You've been changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone belongs to Christ, there is a new creation. That's you. Don't let the enemy beat you up with the mistakes you made in the past. God's not nearly as concerned about your past as he is your future. Start now. To just say, okay, I don't have it all together, but the one who made me and the one who loves me will help me grow and become all he's created me to be. Secondly, You're not yet all who you're going to be, but Jesus is going to help you get there. He's going to help you as you trust in him and continue to follow him. Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God will build you up. God will give you a dream. That's his dream for your life. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will help you in your life. I believe that the Lord, when we follow him, that the Lord puts something in all of our hearts that's a work that he wants us uniquely and specifically to do. That when you start to follow him, you get close to him, he starts to show you a pattern for direction of life. And often he'll put a great work in your heart that is a dream that's his. There are many reasons that these dreams don't come about and we get nervous about all that because the things he's put in our heart have not yet come about right some of you have things that that you feel the Lord has specifically asked you to do and they haven't happened let me speak to that for a moment There, there are many reasons several reasons one could be his timing his timing's perfect if you miss his timing you miss his will another could be resistance from the enemy right this is a war we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness, it says in Ephesians. And when God puts a dream in our heart and we start to move to it, the enemy can see it and he'll battle. And we need to know sometimes it's just a long, arduous battle, but the Lord will be with us and we will be victorious if we just keep moving. You've heard me say before, one of the best things I've ever done is not quit. It doesn't sound too profound, but it is profound. Don't quit keep moving. Another reason is our personal growth. God not only wants to bring about a result for the kingdom that is through us, but he wants to do something in us. And we're not ready for the great work that he'd want to do sometimes. He wants to build us up so when the battles come, we're strong enough. And we're good to the sheep. And we're loving and we're carrying his heart. That is called maturity and growth, and sometimes the length of time has to do with those things. He's building us so that we're ready when the time comes. We face difficulties in pursuing these dreams, and if we're not careful, we'll do the following. Let me mention a few things. We'll get impatient. God spent 40 years working on Moses in the desert. Remember, he killed an Egyptian, and he ran, and Went to the desert and he started tending sheep and looked like his life was somewhat meaningless. 40 years there, but all along the way, what's happening to Moses? He's starting to meet with God, he's starting to know God, he's starting to commune with God, and God is building him his spirit. Think of that 40 years in that desert. And then in a moment, God calls him out of there to deliver the nation of Israel, a, a shepherd in the desert. And I think it's kind of interesting that after he calls him out of 40 years in the desert, he has 40 years of magnificent service and ministry to God that is miraculous and gives us so many stories in the Bible. 40 years in the desert, he's ready. The Lord brings him out 40 years of amazing impact. How long have you and I have had to wait for what the Lord has given us to do? What if we just made the main thing getting closer to him? Because I promise you, if we'll come close to Jesus, he comes close to us. That's what the word says. Come close to me and I will come close to you. And if we come close to him, we won't miss what his will is for our lives and we won't miss his timing. There are other examples. Joseph suffered 13 years before God put him on the throne in Egypt. Prison. Shame. Accused of rape when he hadn't done it. Thirteen years of that and then second in command and he delivers the nation and much of the world with wisdom that God gave him. David was anointed to be king as a young person. But David had a lot of trouble and sorrow before he hit that throne, didn't he? He suffered many years in exile away from the people that he was supposed to lead. Even the apostle Paul went away for three years to Arabia when he first got saved, just kind of disappeared. And there's just one little verse that says he went away for a few years. But the Lord was building him up. And I I just want to say that the Lord has put a dream in your heart, but just just humble yourself and come before him every day wanting to know him more. And, And just know that if you'll meet with him and commune with him, he will do what he wants to do. And he will do what he's put in your heart if it's his dream. God has work. God rather has to work in us before he can work through us. And so that's what that time is about sometimes. Philippians 1.6 I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Another thing that we can do when we get... Trying to work things out is to force it on our own. Zechariah 4 6 says, You will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, all powerful. Whatever that dream is, let's make sure that it's happening His way. He's the one who builds the house, He's the one who brings success. And if you're not careful, some of you are so skilled, He's given you that common grace, He's given you such great gifts. You'll take your communication ability, your administrative ability. You know how to get things done and you'll try to make it happen on your own because you're pretty good at it. But if we try to force it when it's not his timing or we're not ready, we just mess things up. So that's where we can have confidence just to say, okay, Lord, I just want to grow in you. Help me to grow in you. You'll take care of these things. You'll show me. You'll speak at the right time. You'll move. And then I want to just speak against something that... can happen, and maybe some of you have done this. You've gotten so discouraged that you you, you just quit or you're ready to quit. Um, I know about discouragement. Even though I pastored here 19 years, and I remember that time I was sitting at my desk, and the Lord spoke to me, and in retrospect, people say, does God really speak to you that way? And listen, I, I think people who think every thought they have in their minds is God have a problem. I really do. But the Bible does say, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. So if, if, if sheep know his voice and a stranger they don't follow, it must mean that he speaks at times, right? And he wants to lead us and guide us. And when I was minding my own business and didn't think anything about a high school, and if I'm honest, didn't even want a high school because it was too much trouble, the Lord spoke to me sitting at my desk and said, I want to build a great high school to glorify my name. Well, listen, if you're the servant of the Lord, you don't lead God, right? You follow him. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't know anything about high school. And he could read my heart, which was translated, I don't really want to do that because I don't think I'd be good at it. But he spoke back to me and said, I know a little bit about high school. What if you let this be like everything else in your life where you just let me lead you and you follow and I'll show you? Because that's really what I've tried to do, right? I haven't, I, I've just tried to follow him. Well, it wasn't just me that he spoke to. In time, he spoke to a number of us because we need confirmation on big moves like that, don't we, with ministry? Spoke to the elders, spoke to the people. You guys gave, and he wasn't just building a high school. He's building a great church. That is something he had spoken to. But along the way, let me just talk about discouragement. Along the way, it was hard to get from that campus to this one. It was hard because of the criticism. Some people just thought you just have aspirations and you, you want to be seen and, you know, as a big boy in the community or something. That kind of hurts when people question your motives that way. And you can't go, oh, I'm a good guy. You can't really do that. <laughs> you just have to take it. It hurt because for six years, we didn't have the money to make the move. And we had the land and we were paying for it. And I remember walking by here on our walks and carrying. I, I, before this building was built I'll bet you I was out here 500 times to pray at least. I don't know why I came out here but I would come out and just walk the grounds and talk to the Lord because the dream that he put in my heart was too big for me. So if it's too big for me who do I have to go to? Well, the one who put it in my heart, in our hearts. But I remember thinking, I read a story one time when it didn't look like we were gonna be able to get this built. And the story talked about some work of art in Rio de Janeiro that was started and got halfway done and it, it never got finished. And today it is known as the monument to failure. It's never been built. And we had a basement out here and I would walk by here after reading that illustration and the enemy would whisper in my heart, And say, there's the monument to failure right there. And I just have to fight in the heavenlies and say, Jesus, this is my work, this is your work. And then I'd say, the Lord Jesus rebuke you. Because Satan, because, you know, the enemy whispers those kind of thoughts into your heart. And I don't like to say, I rebuke you. Some people do, and that's cool, but I like to go to where the real authority is, like the angel did in the New Testament when he said, the Lord Jesus rebuke you. That's way better than me rebuking him. And then one day, in a miraculous way, I don't know if you, if you realize, but one of the many, many miracles, there were so many miracles that happened. But one of them was, there were some transactions in land, and the Lord helped us put together a piece of our property that we bought for $50,000, and we sold 17 of those acres for $400,000 on the same day that we bought eight more acres for 200000 when we're selling for four hundred, right here. And it squared off our property. And I remember just a weird day, you know, little old boy from Dallas, Oregon, holding a $7 million check. And taking it down to the bank. And that's, that's this building. That's how the Lord brought it about. We had the land. But that's how the Lord brought this building about. But during the summer even when it was being built, did you know that there were 12 straight weeks where we had something go wrong that was $30,000 to $90,000 overrun? They found a rock out here bigger than a car that took $25,000 to remove. A rock. And every time I'd hear that stuff, it was, no, I couldn't sleep. But tonight, they've asked me to speak at the graduation for the kids. And I think we've seen 140 or 150 graduates already that have come through. And now they're starting to go out in ministry. You see, you see why God was doing that? Not only because he loved the kids, but he's going to do something in their hearts to change the world. I love all the ministries here, but it's okay if I talk about this one every now and then. Because it's a ministry too. And God has done amazing things. There were times I just felt like quitting. Just honest with you, the best thing I've ever done is not quit. Not quit. I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad you didn't. And whatever the dream is, he's put in your heart. Don't quit. If it's, if it's his dream, let it be his timing. Let it be his way. Let it come forth as he wants it to come forth. Just come close to him. That's the best thing you could do. He will help you. If it's his dream, he will help you get it done. Hebrews thirteen twenty one. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. We're not quite there. We're not the people that we want to be in God yet, but we're growing. We haven't arrived at that destination that he's called us to, But if we trust in him, the dream he's placed in our heart will eventually take place in his perfect timing. Third thought now. God has special assignments planned just for you. Some of them are big things and some of them are small things, but he has important things, all of them, that he wants you to do. This is a really uh, obscure passage of scripture that most people As a matter of fact, I I read it so many times and it didn't mean a whole lot to me because it's just getting you to the next verse, but I read it uniquely recently and it meant a lot to me. Isn't the Word of God so awesome? You can read the same passage a hundred times and then one time it hits you where the Lord shows you something you think, man, I never saw it that way before. And the Holy Spirit illuminates something to you. Here it is. And say to Archippus, that's not a good name in In English, they they might nickname him Puss or something. I I don't know, but it's not, I don't like the name, but I sure like what the next line says. Be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Did you know the Lord wants to give you specific ministry callings? He'll just speak to you about things he wants you to do. Sometimes it's to bring, it's always to bring glory to his name, but it's also to build up you, to build you up. Turn to the next person one more time and say, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gives you. Just say that. Be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gives you. He's going to give you a ministry. Ephesians 2.10, let me read it again in a different version. It was the first verse. It's our memory verse. It says that he's given you good works which he prepared in advance for you to do. He already knows what he wants you to do. And if we're open... And seeking, he will show us what we're to do. I can tell you that at every key juncture in my life, when I didn't know what to do, when I was transitioning, I would at each of those key junctures, I fasted and prayed, and in every instance, I felt the Lord showed me exactly what He wanted me to do, what He wanted me to do, not immediately, but as I was seeking Him through prayer. And fasting, because that's the way I, I was serious about finding the right direction. He's so faithful to show. Psalm 138, the Lord will work out his plans for your life. He has plans for you. What? You thought you are just existing and coming here to feel a little better on a Sunday morning. It's bigger. He has plans for you. It's pretty exciting when you think, the God of heaven has plans for me. He has special assignments for you. He'll give you this big dream that we talked about, but he'll also just give you little assignments all the way, all along the way. And the little things God asks you to do are big to him. And to others. The little things God asks you to do are big to him. Why? Because it's we won't we won't get to the bigger things if we're not faithful in the little things, right? And then sometimes we think it's little, but it's actually huge because someone's life has changed when we do that little act in love. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise the small beginnings. Do you know the Lord delights in showing himself where the odds are totally against his miracles happening? Do you know he'll take the numbers down just so he can show that he's the one who took the numbers up? So you can know the importance of the little things, the importance of being faithful in the assignment that he's given you right now. I want to read a story to you. It's someone's story from our church. I read this to about 90 of our leaders the other night at a dessert we had. But I want to read a a portion of a letter that was sent to me from someone in this church. Um, They were very encouraging to me, which... It might surprise you that I need it every now and then. But they were very encouraging to you in this fellowship too. And I want you to hear what this person said about you. She says, Dear Pastor Stan, my adult life has been nothing short of disaster after disaster. I dropped out of Oregon State during my sophomore year and worked full-time since I was 19 years old. I worked in retail until I was 22 when I decided to audition as an exotic dancer. I was hired and quit my full-time job as a reservations manager. I was making twice the money in one hour that I would make in an eight-hour day. I spent 15 years dancing. Luckily, I never did drugs, but I drank, prostituted, and was suicidal 90% of the time. This is a story, she says, that's too long to tell here and now, but it's important for you to know that I'm one of the people you're talking about when you say it's a matter of life or death. I think a lot of people don't believe that. I'm saying it's true more often than anyone could ever imagine. I came to Horizon in January of 2009. My friend's parents attend, and my desire to attend church surfaced in a conversation. She agreed to go with me. So I met with her and her family. We met there. I was so nervous. I used to joke that I didn't go to church because I didn't want others to get hurt when the building fell in as I walked in. And then she said, You actually mentioned that in church one day that people feel like that. It's not true. The enemy wants to make them think that. By this time, she says, I was married and I had a one year old daughter. I continued to come. It was an easygoing atmosphere. I could easily get up, get my daughter dressed, throw on some clothes, bam, out the door to church. Nobody bothered me. She says, I learned a lot from your sermons and I cried a thousand tears. You let me know that God loved me no matter what. You gave me proof through the scripture. You shared knowledge in a way that I understood and I felt comfortable about. I felt very convicted every Sunday, but I would learn so much that I would keep coming back. Plus, you are hilarious. (laughs) I didn't know a man or woman of God could be so normal, meaning for me, down to earth. I wouldn't raise my hand to come to Jesus, though, because I went back to working in the adult industry after I got married. My soon-to-be ex-husband required me to bring home an income that I was unable to to do without that hour, in a normal hourly job. I worked until I was six months pregnant with our second child. And then in January of 2010, I finally raised my hand. Oh, what a feeling, she says. Pastor Stan, she says, I know you get quite a few letters, probably hundreds. I wish I got hundreds of letters like this. I've heard you read some, and here's, here, here's some words about you know now. The common thread is how you've relayed God's truth in the way that expresses the depth and breadth of God's love and grace. You, the pastoral team, the elders, the staff, the volunteers, and the church members have contributed to my life being saved, both physically and spiritually. Awkward Sunday, she says, she remembers that, showed me how important the light is lowered so one can feel a sense of privacy. The woman who opened the door for me, for me many, many times with a smile when I was feeling harried. Having the card to scan to check in my children quickly is wonderful. The coffee, I, it's like she wrote this so I could encourage you guys. She's saying her life has changed. The coffee, the clean restrooms, that matters to me. I wasn't sure it mattered that much to everyone else. The sermon notes in the flyer are things I love about Horizon. I love that it's fun. I love that the truth is told. I love that even being a large church, it really does feel like family. The words thank you are not sufficient for all of the people and all of the things that have been done to lead me in the direction of Christ. I simply want you to know how deep my gratitude runs towards horizon. Let me say that when I say there are no little things, what I mean is the smile when someone comes through the door is big to God the service that you have here, the heart that you just have to love up on people that you don't know that walk through these doors. Those are huge things to God. Those aren't little things. And so when we're faithful, and even the little things he gives us, we see amazing things happen. I simply want you to know how deep my gratitude runs towards the horizon, she says. The touch on my life has touched my daughters. Generations, not just one person, generations. My parents and I'm sure others who I don't even know. I just hope that the parts I play in Horizon, she's on the team now! She's not just coming, she has a part here. I don't know who this is because it's anonymous, but I'm really glad she's part of the team. She's helping other people feel that love now. The parts I play in Horizon will give someone else the environment they need to hear the truth Feel the grace and love of God and see the amazing body of Christ that I did and still do see sincerely name withheld. Your special assignment is key. It's not too small. I like what Mother Teresa said. You know, maybe the most famous woman in the world besides Mary the mother of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Mother Teresa, what's she famous for? Loving people. She's touched people who are sick and wounded. She had compassion and care and tenderness. And here's what she said, "We we can do no great things, only small things with great love. And when we do small things with great love, the king of kings is seen glorified, lifted up, and people are drawn to him. Let's take our role. Let's, your, your talent, your gifting, when brought to bear, brings amazing results for the kingdom.